This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, another Ontario PC candidate has been implicated in the 407 ETR data breach, which seems to be uh, growing as a problem. Harji Jaswal is running for the Doug Ford Progressive Conservatives in the riding of Brampton Centre. He's reportedly been named in the scandal by former party organizer Snover Dillon, who's been linked to the theft of the identification of 60,407 customers. So here's Doug Ford Ford's response from this morning. Well, once new revelations come come to us, uh, we sit down just like I did with the Brampton East candidate, and we'll address it. Uh, we'll address it uh, immediately. And uh, I, again, as I said over and over again, we won't tolerate anything uh, along those lines as we did with the Brampton East candidate. We acted immediately, and we'll continue to act immediately. Well, that's basically what he's been saying in response to every problem that's come up with nominated candidates. Uh, The Liberals are going on the attack. They want to know why he hasn't dumped the Brampton Centre candidate. Of course, things are different now because it's too late to appoint someone else. Uh, And uh, the Liberals are also asking, what about all the others who allegedly received 407 ETR Data. Meanwhile, there's lots of heat on the NDP uh, now that they are surging. Andrea Horvath, as you heard in Chris's news, has said that she would not invoke back-to-work legislation. Kathleen Wynne says that's irresponsible. Uh, how is this all going to play into the dynamics? would like to hear from you about your take on all of this stuff. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 866-744-740. Right now, we are going to Jerry Nichols, conservative strategist, Jamie Ellerton, conservative strategist, and Patrick Gossage, uh, a liberal. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Uh, two conservatives. This is a beat-up scene. I okay. I'm more libertarian. I'm more libertarian. <laughs> okay. Oh, but, libertarian. Okay. Okay. Glad, glad to hear that. Now, um, yesterday, uh, interesting, one of the interesting comments uh, uh, from one of our panelists was, hey, this thing is going to get bigger, and there are a lot of PC candidates uh, that are going to be problematic. So let's start with you, Jamie. Uh, What do you think is going on here, and how bad is it for the PCs? I think there's a lot of moving pieces. We do know that the data was stolen. I think we can all accept that as fact. But as it relates to the candidates, uh, both the now-gone candidate in Brampton East and the potential for another in Brampton Centre, and Snowbird Dillon, the kind of shadowy operator who previously had fraud convictions, uh, who's also kind of caught in the middle of all this, they're all denying personally being in the wrong and kind of pointing the fingers at others. So this is a very much a rotten fish. 
And this is an issue that Doug Ford is going to have to manage. Uh, it's my understanding the York Regional Police have indeed opened up a criminal investigation to get to the bottom of what has gone on. And so I have no doubt the campaign team is working around the clock to just see what has gone on from their own sources, asking people to come forward and getting to the bottom of this. I think one of the things that Doug Ford absolutely needs to do here is set a tone of not having any tolerance of this sort of activity. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Harjit Jaswal and Brampton Center drop by the end of the day. Okay, but yeah, that means, uh, Jerry Nichols, that means that the, the PCs won't have a candidate there. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, clearly it's a problem for the Ford campaign. And uh, it's a problem, you know, basically because it gets them off message. And it brings attention to the fact that, you know, that that conservatives have their own problems. But I don't think this is necessarily a fatal um, uh, issue for the conservatives, because I think the the overriding ballot question in this election is, who do you want to replace Kathleen Wynne? I mean... Oh, she's not even on the ballot anymore. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty in this election, but one thing that seems certain is that the liberals are in a death spiral right, death spiral right now. Um, and I've been in one of those spirals. They're not fun. So I, 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 I have some empathy for the liberals uh, in, in the Kathleen Wynne war room. But the question remains is, who do you want to replace Wynne with? Is it the PCs or the NDP? And I think the, the real strategic problem for the Ford campaign um, is that they went into this race way high up in the polls. And the NDP was lower in the polls. And whenever that, you had that kind of dynamic, it always creates inevitability where the front runner will fall down and the guy behind the pack will start going up. And this creates kind of a momentum scenario. I always say voters want to be on a moving train, right? They want to be heading in a positive direction. They don't, they don't want to be in the liberal train because it's stuck. And now it looks like the PC train is going back. And so, hey... The NDP is looking pretty good. So as long as these media stories are coming up about, you know, the NDP is getting support, the NDP is getting momentum, this is going to help Team NDP. So the real question, the real challenge, I think, for the PCs is how do they blunt that momentum? How do they change the the, the narrative so it looks like the PCs are going to win the race? Okay, uh, Patrick, uh, the the Liberals uh, are really going on the attack now. And uh, I have to say, as a journalist, you know, they seem to be doing a lot of our work for us, which uh, I don't mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, catching out Andrea Horvath, that was good. That was good stuff. On her money, you know, on her uh, on her deficit. Oh, that wait, was great stuff. Wait a minute. Uh, I, I've got to interject here on that note. And uh, Patrick is talking about the $1.4 billion, billion mistake, dollar, yeah, mistake in their accounting. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out here and, and um, maybe other people can confirm or deny. But uh, I, I had dinner with uh, somebody who works for the government last night. And what that person told me is that the reason the Liberals could jump on that mistake as quickly as they did was because that number came either from the estimates or the budget that the Liberals put together and they knew it was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That makes an even better story, doesn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, I thought, you know, that is just too good. (laughs) Well, I think it was the, the Liberals found it. They made it. They made it happen, and that was a, that was one of the great moments, I think, because you know I think that's the worry about the NDP, and I must say Jerry they were using a, a liberal estimate, though. <laughs> I know, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, well, 
the liberals. I mean, it's, a lot of this is the pot called the pot's calling the kettle black. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. But I, you know, I have to agree with most of what Jerry said. This is a change election, and barring a miracle, and you know, believe me, I've been in those scenes too. And you always hope for a miracle at the end. And uh, you know, I talk to the people in the premier's office, and they still think there's something to be done. But I'm not sure about that at all. <clears throat> but I think the the real the real point is, is we know it's change, and exactly, Jerry's exactly right, so who do you pick? Well, you know, I think Ford has, you know, I think his weaknesses are now becoming obvious, and his bluster and his endless promises, and, you know, we had promises of broadband and of more money for, for uh, you know, for farmers, and I love farmers, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's just, he's a promise machine without any any uh, platform that tells us how it's going to be paid for. And I think people are starting to see that. Yeah, but what about, uh, uh, let me just interject here, but people, okay, so the NDP is surging, people like Andrea Horvath, but it's it's the same deal. We had the $1.4 billion mistake. She's also promising everything. She's saying that she would not invoke back-to-work legislation, but she wouldn't have to, which which sounds like uh, it's uh, it's going to be a, a big payday for uh, unionized workers. Uh, so uh, uh, let's uh, let's go back to Jamie and, and Jerry. Does that mean that people are going to start to take a more serious look at her and her numbers? Yeah, I think one of the things to pick up to on both what Jerry and Patrick have said with this being a change election, I think one of the things that Doug Ford and the Ontario PCs have going for them, they're the only party that's really kind of approaching this by looking to take the province in a different direction. If you want to look at how in the lead up to this campaign in the past couple of years, the NDP have actually been livid as Kathleen Wynne kind of stole their big government social justice policy after policy and put them into liberal budgets. Uh, and now, so if you want a smiley face on top of government and continue to go down the status quo, then yes, for sure, in this change election, Andrea Horvath and the NDP are probably your choice. But if you're actually looking for real change on the substantive issues, uh, it's not going to be everything overnight. And I think they've kind of been responsible for that. Even if you look at how Doug Ford's talking about the middle-class tax cuts, they're not saying they're necessarily doing this in the first budget. And on the issue of kind of calling into question the accounting and kind of fully costed plans and whatnot, here you have a government that has... a $5 billion disagreement with independent auditors and the Auditor General who have looked at their own numbers and say there's some questionable accounting going on. And that's $5 billion. And that's in addition to the increased spending that they chose to do this year to go back into deficit because it was election season. So I think Doug's actually been somewhat responsible on this and deserves more credit for oh, saying, well, hey, you know, here's where our priorities are. Here's what we're going to look to do. Here's what we're putting in the window. And then if we are able to form government and get a mandate from the people of Ontario, we'll take a look at the books and come to you with a fuller plan down the road. Yeah, Jerry, I mean, what, what do you think? I think I think none of them are, are giving us any kind of confidence with the numbers. None of them. Not a one. Well, you know, to quote Patrick, they're, they're all promise machines right now. Yeah, they are. They're, unbelievable. they're all making wild and crazy promises. So, you know, that's a level playing field as far as that's concerned. I think, you know, what's always held the NDP back in Ontario in the past is that, you know, they were a socialist party. And so even if people like their policies, they're a little bit antsy about them, a little bit afraid about them. And there are a lot of people who still remember the, you know, the disastrous days of Bob Ray. But those memories are fading. And, and, and more to the point, I think the kind of political dynamic is changing, not only in Ontario, but all over the Western world, where it's not so much right versus left anymore. It's now sort of 
you know, let's, let's attack the status quo. Let's attack the establishment. And, and both Ford and Horwath are making that claim. They're both kind of trying to be the populist voice of change, and we're going to get rid of the establishment. We're going we're gonna to stand up for the little guy. So I think this gives the, the NDP something of an advantage going into this race that they didn't have before. People are not as afraid of them as they might have once been. I think the, the danger for the NDP, and or let me put that another way, I think uh, Doug Ford's best friend right now, ironically, might be Kathleen Wynne. Yeah. <laughs> because Kathleen Wynne, if she starts going after the NDP and starts dragging their numbers down a little bit, that will help the PCs. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, hang on, guys. We've got Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hello there, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you said a couple of comments already about the, this, um, the NDP labor policies, and uh, maybe some people have forgotten what happened in the early 90s under Bob Ray, where no strikes were allowed. NDP said, nope, nope, we're not going to have any strikes. And I can see this is where this is going to put the power back into the hands of the unions where they're going to make demands. Uh, Andrea Horowitz has already said, nope, we're not going to force them back to work, which is um, it's going to affect students, it's going to affect transit, it's going to affect everybody because now uh, we're going to go back to the days of the I said Ray when um, in Guelph here, um, there was one company especially the uh, owner of the company threw the keys on the judge's desk and said that's it, um, I'm walking away from the business. It happened in uh, Midland with RCA Victor in their TVs. They said, no, nope, we're not staying. Because they uh, weren't allowed to, uh, there was no strikes. He couldn't get strike busters in there. Or, um, I guess, Ron, uh, let, me, let, me, let me ask you one thing uh, before we move on to the next caller, and that is all these problems uh, with nominations uh, that seem to be left over from the Patrick Brown era, uh, does that bother you about voting Tory? Um, no, um, not especially. Um, I'm more... I, I mean, Kathleen win the numbers there. She's going to end up in third place regardless. Um, I just don't see, I'm, and I'll come right out front, I am a, a union supporter. Mm-hmm. I am a, uh, but I'm, I've seen too many cases where in the, in the uh, TTC, there was a big um, uh, for-for-all with um, the guy there that uh, got, uh, tried to take the power in the... Um, yep, um, yep. I mean, I've seen the... Um, what uh, Unifor, which is now, uh, I guess, part of the auto workers, uh, where they tried to raid our own uh, union at uh, the um, Greyhound. So, I mean, the, there's somebody has to be somebody in there that's going to be a, a level playing field to make sure the unions don't get too powerful as well. Yeah, and the, uh, thanks, Ron, for your call. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's this whole, I mean, I, I'm straying slightly off topic here, but there, there's this whole other union thing where Leuna, which is a very big construction un, union, is switching support from the liberals to the conservatives, and it has to do with a fight with another union because they they think NDP policies would favor the carpenters' union, uh, and you know, Good the, Lord. I mean, it, it's a little <sighs> bit inside baseball, but um, you know, these these are fairly big players politically. Um, let us uh, just take a call from Cheryl in Toronto. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Good morning, or good afternoon, Libby. Um, I just want to say I am really, really sick and tired of hearing about Ray's bad government. That was one NDP government that might have been bad, allegedly. Anyhow, there have been a lot of bad Tory governments going all the way back to the 1837 rebellion under William Lyon Mackenzie. Um, 
I know yesterday the caller said people don't remember Ray. I remember the Harris government. Yeah. And I was marching the picket lines against the Harris government with the teachers union. Um, you know, liberals, Tories, they've all had bad governments. Um, Bob Ray, he wasn't even really a new Democrat. He's now a liberal. He yep. has nothing to do with Horvath, nothing like Andrea Horvath. And she has totally disavowed him, or is trying to. Most NDPs, NDPers have. I've been a lifelong NDPer. My family's been involved in politics since I was born, practically. Um, you know, you got to give them a chance. I mean, do you really, really want a Ford government? I don't care what he's promising. He is going to be as bad, if not worse, than Harris and Hudak and Wynn. You're jumping out of the frying pan and right into the fire. Okay, Cheryl, I think we know where you stand. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, so uh, back to our panel for a few minutes. Uh, You know, you've heard what the callers have to say. Uh, You know, again, do you think that there will be some kind of uh, sober second thought with people looking at the NDP and saying, I don't know about this? Uh, Jerry? Well, yeah. I mean, the next two weeks are going to be absolutely critical for all the campaigns in this race, because it's when in the last two weeks, really, that people become focused as they start paying attention to the issues and they start saying, hey, I got to vote pretty soon. Right? It's only in the it's only in the actually probably only in the four days before the election that they start thinking like that. So this is the point when all the campaigns got to take out their best ammunition, their best arguments, their best ads or whatever, and they got to throw it out there. And then. We'll see what happens when the dust settles. You know, the, each side has got to do what they got to do. I think the Liberals got to sort of fight for what they have right now. Um, the NDP's got to sort of keep the momentum going. And the Conservatives got to try to steal the momentum back away from the NDP. That's going to be what we're going to watch in the next two, last two weeks of this campaign. And uh, Patrick, uh, do you think that the, the NDP might actually be able to do it? I mean, on a, you know, look, it's, it's kind of different when you look at it at a riding by riding and race by race. Um, well, yeah. And I think also, and Jerry knows this better as well as I do, because I work for, uh, you know, for David Miller, who had the unions on side. If you have the unions working for you, which which uh, Horvath does, you know, they, they're the manpower that unions and woman power that unions can provide on for the ground game. People kind power. Is astonishing. <laughs> yeah, people and, kind. Yeah, no. But it's true, isn't it, Jerry? I mean, I've seen it. And, uh, you know, Andrea's got this phalanx of, of you know, primary school teachers, other unions, ready and willing to to help destroy Ford, you know. And I think I think the ground game is going to, you know, be very important. The other thing I'd like to say, just building on what Jerry said, is that there are going to be a lot of people who don't decide how to vote until they're in the voting booth in this election, in my view. So I think all bets are off in some respects. And, you know, I, I'm predicting a a minority government. I don't see a majority coming out of this mess. Uh, minority for who? Well, well, it doesn't really matter. It's either an NDP minority or a, or a conservative minority. And uh, with Kathleen, I suppose, trying to decide who she might support, you know? I mean, I think that's perfectly possible. This is a, this is a you know, a, a hung electorate, in my view. And uh, I don't think we're going to know where it's going to go until, you know, an hour into the counting, frankly. That's just my view, and you heard it here first, you know. <laughs> uh, Jerry, do you agree? Well, anything's possible right now. I mean, this is really a difficult election to predict, you know, precisely because yeah. it's a multi-party race. 
In the United States, it's a little easier to make these calculations because if the Democrats go down, it helps the Republicans, right? Here, if the liberals go down, is it helping the PCs or is it helping the NDP? That's kind of hard to determine. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, anything's possible. I still think, you know, at the end of the day, the conservatives should, you know, win a majority government. That would, that would be my bet right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still thinking that, but I'm not sure. I mean, uh, uh, Andrea might win it. Uh, well, I don't see this in any, with any degree of confidence. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm waiting for. Uh, last week, we had a fascinating interview uh, with a, a woman who runs an AI artificial intelligence company, and her artificial intelligence has predicted some races accurately, but it decides on its own when it's going to make the prediction. And I think it's time to get back to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just or maybe some angel or God will tell us. I but don't know. <laughs> the, the other question is, there's another leaders debate on Sunday evening. Yeah. Is, is that going to be important? Absolutely. It's, it's I mean, absolutely essential viewing, I think. And this is a network one, too, I believe. And yep. uh, it'll it'll get good uh, it'll get good ratings. A lot of people will say, "Well, let's have a watch and see see who see who see if there's a moment that where I can say, you know what, that Andrea's got it, or or you know Ford really Ford really is nervous, or Kathleen, boy, what a debater. I mean, these these this all have a big impact, I think. Okay, um, we are. Uh starting to run out of time. Uh, so, uh, um, Jerry, what would you like to leave us with? It's going to be a fun two weeks. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's for sure. And Jamie? I would encourage your listeners to figure out who their local candidates are by going yeah. to Elections Ontario and plugging their postal code to uh, pull up that list and uh, make an informed decision and get involved in our democratic process. And Patrick, anything else leaving us with? Don't, I, get, I get Rob Ford's uh, emails, and uh, believe Doug me... Doug Ford, you mean. Or Doug Ford, rather. Yeah, but there's, a, there's a slip. I get Doug Ford's emails, and believe me, they are so juvenile that it's beyond belief. I, I, I can't imagine... Uh, you say that like it's a bad as thing. Premier. <laughs> I just can't imagine it. You know, anyway, there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Jerry Nichols, Patrick Gossage, and Jamie Ellerton. Thank you all. Thank, thank you, Libby. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a very special guest in the house, Dr. Sandy scott Nikki. Her book, Beyond, ha- Beyond Soap, is just out. And it's summer today. So uh, it's a good time to talk about summer skincare. There are a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, um, Dr. Scott Nicky says basically that we're seeing a lot of allergies, sensitivities, and problems because we use too much stuff. Uh, so before we go to break, the numbers to call 416 360 toll free 1 866 740 740. And we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.